do you guys keep track of the finances of your books? Like oh, every I book do. I've written, I've marked down how much I paid for the cover, how much I paid for the edit, how much I've spent on author copies. And then I've got like that figure versus my sales on Amazon and Goodreads. And, you know, I, I track everything to see if the books are kind of profitable or not, just so that I know. Yeah, I, I track them on a monthly basis, um, see which books are selling, which books aren't. And then if like, if there's a book that isn't selling, I can uh, start pushing it a little bit harder. And if that doesn't work, then I can take it out of print, rebrand it, re recover it. Um, but like, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see what sells and what doesn't mm -hmm. um, without getting too into it. I thought like my book blood suck would be a bigger hit than it was because it's a vampire book. But I think because it's a vampire book, a lot of readers didn't really want to risk it because it's kind of an oversaturated genre. Um, that book is so good, though. Thank yeah, you. I, I really like that book. So <laughs> underrated. And it's like Ed Lee, it's like Ed Lee wrote it, you know? It's, it's like, I can't understand. The, the one time I wrote a book where I felt like I was going to throw up during some of it. <laughs> and I think people see the you know, see it's a vampire book and kind of expect sort of just like, you know, not so, from like, um, so from a business standpoint, would that be the sort of book that you would look at in a few months time and be like, okay, that needs, that needs a new cover. That needs a bit of fresh coat of paint. Yeah. I'm, I'm giving it a few more months just to see what happens because if it picks up, then awesome. Uh, but if it doesn't, then, you know, I'm not going to blame the readers on that. I obviously didn't, market it the right way so if it doesn't sell i'll take it out of print i'll recover it i'll remarket it and i'll re-release it i think that's where the business side of things you know like you should pay attention like everyone obviously wants to romanticize like you know it's all about the art but yeah, yeah if you're self-publishing it's about the business as well you've got to learn how to right and you don't want something that you poured your heart into to not sell like it it might take a while. That's why I always give it time. I don't expect people to like flock around a book in the first like few months that it comes out. But after a while, if it's like, okay, I'm only selling like five copies a month. I did something wrong with this. I need to do something to bring it out to people, you know, which I'm, I'm very lucky that, uh, no one writes for free took off the way it does. I don't think I'll ever have to uh, have to rebrand that. <laughs> nope. Nope, just that release thing's a got a life of its own. And, you know, it, it, again, it takes a while for some things. Like uh, Summer Never Ends. I was actually talking to Otis and I was like, hey, that, that book, you know, I love it. It's my favorite that I've released, but it's just not selling. People aren't buying it. Maybe... You know, Christy did a great cover for it. I think it, I think it looks great, but maybe it needs something different. And then, like literally a few weeks later, there was a huge spike in sales, and now it's yeah. now it's got like a hundred ratings on Goodreads, Amazon, and people are people are talking to me about it. So yeah, sometimes it just it requires patience, and if that patience doesn't pay out, then it requires sitting down and reconsidering it. Yep. Yeah. And I agree. I may have to do that on 
at least one down the road um, that sells the least. But yeah, it's 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 just like you got to just keep retooling things sometimes and see what works, like Judith said, and what doesn't work because you know it's still a business and it's not an exact science. You know, you just got to play around with it, and find out what works the best. So, what yeah, works for some to... doesn't work for others. So, how do you guys? How do you both? Um bounce back from a book that doesn't do well like if you've got a book that's coming out and you're thinking oh this one's going to do really well like i've really got a good feeling about this one and then it doesn't do you just plow on to the next one do you kind of sit back and yeah, assess think, it like what's i think like again like I, I just think that we have to be patient and see if it works or not later um but i'm always i'm always writing something new and you know if if a book doesn't work, then maybe the next one will. Yeah. You know, and I, it's, and I, feel I think it's also important just to note, like, you know, if an author complains about sales constantly or pouts about nobody's reading my book, but they're reading this person's book, then, you know, for every one reader that will buy your book out of pity, there's 10 or 15 that roll their eyes and scroll by. Yeah. Like, they, you know, they, you they may to, not say anything, but they're thinking it. So, yeah, you have to have confidence in yourself, even if you don't always feel confident in yourself, because that sells books, you know, telling people, hey, this is me. I'm I'm worth your time and I appreciate your time and the yeah. investment that you are giving me in this thing that I created um, yeah. that draws people in. And you think it's um, an easy trap to fall into, though, that whole Oh, it is. Body. I think all of us, yeah. every independent author who hasn't had, like, a guide has fallen yeah. into it of just feeling forgotten. And even old staples of the genre. Like, I, I posted on Facebook about how, you know, we go through these cycles where older authors will feel forgotten and will lash out at the younger readers and that doesn't bring the younger readers in. They don't go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know about you. Let me read your books. That pushes right. them away. And, you know, and then we get younger authors who, you know, are still learning the ropes who will come in and expect their first book to make a million dollars and then just melt down when it doesn't. <laughs> so, yeah, I had, an, I had a really crazy experience. And, you know, I tried not to give like a lot of, advice till I started putting out stuff and uh I had this one author on Twitter um crying about how like the book wasn't even out yet and they were already setting themselves up for failure like oh I don't think it's going to be good it's not going to do well and I said well first things first you got to write the book you know mm -hmm. it's like he would come on and like just talk about like talk about writing but not write you know and it's like well, you already shot yourself in the foot saying your your work's not even good or, or worthy of people's time. But the real story was you didn't even write it. It's like, jeez. <laughs> it's just like you, 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 I understand like when you're new, you, you romanticize writing. All of us are like fans of authors, fans of the, the craft, but the work's hard. The work's yeah. rewarding, <laughs> but the work is hard. You've got to put the time in and you've got to, you've got to get a body of work. You know, you can't just, I mean, some people can put out one book and it becomes a hit. I'm not saying that's impossible, but yeah. it's an accumulative effort. You know, I've only yeah. just this year felt any kind of real success. You know what I mean? 
And yeah. I put out Maggot Girl 1 in probably 2020, I think. But part of that's my fault because there was such a long hiatus between part two. And after part three is when I felt like I, you know, I befriended Judith, Brian Barry, you, et cetera. And I had people say, wow, once you kind of befriended those people, you, your writing really started taking off. And I think you got to get in that positive mindset and those positive, good role models and friends. But you got to put the work in and you're not going to become famous off your first book. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, but the, the days of been... Stephen King throwing Carrie out into the wind right. and taking off, those days are over. Right. <laughs> and 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 Fantaside will be like my 10th release once Dino Gore comes out. And I'm just now starting to get, I think, some success, you know? So it's like, it's it's an effort, you know? It's been, what, three, three, three years or so? But yeah, I mean, but... I picked up the pace and put my keep trying to have my name be out there. And that's, and that's part of it too, you know, and be, hmm. and be like a positive person, a respectful person, you know, all of that stuff comes into play when you start becoming, you yeah. know, like a brand. So, so on the um, kind of keeping things positive side, like when sales were down at the beginning for both of you, mm -hmm. like those zero days were they oh, yeah. like, Oh fuck, like frustrating or were they like, motivating like where you're like i'm gonna go out and make sure tomorrow is not a zero day or where you're like fuck it it happens i'm writing the next book like yeah i just yeah, took it, it as like it helped when when i started writing um and not when i started writing when i started publishing i was working at a, a hospital and like that consumed most of my day and then i'd have some time in the evening to write so i really treated it as like a hobby that I was very passionate about. So those zero days, I think I had a buffer between me and the zero days. And I, I was, again, very lucky to have that buffer. But then when I did writing full time and I hit a zero day, that made it sting a lot worse. Um, but I just, I had to kind of grit my teeth and bear it and say, this is part of it. This, you know, not every day is going to be positive. Not every day is going to be happy. You just got to work for a better day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, one day I'll have, and it still happens uh, the other day and I'm not afraid to admit it. I had a zero and then uh, the next day I had 12. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, unfortunately I have a full-time job and my writing time is finite and it's like, I try and write, I try and like when I'm doing a project, I'll write three to four hours a night after my family goes to bed. So I usually will write from 10 to one. And then I have to, now that my work is on summer schedule, uh, my, I get up five 30 and go to work. You know, I get there about 30 minutes earlier. So I'm there for like nine plus hours a day, Friday, I work 12 hours. So it's like, and then I have a family, you know? So it's like, I feel like the slowest writer in the world, but I've come to learn that, hey, maybe I'm not the slowest writer in the world now because I, when it comes down to it and my time to write, I write now. I can, I can put the words out. Before I was more plotting, and I think that's part of a new writer. You know, you're wanting to do the best work possible, but people forget, and I was one that 
forgot. When you write your, you know, your first writing, that's for you. When you go back to edit, that's for the world. So just throw them words down. But I had this tendency to go back and rework everything as I went, and it made the work so slow and plotting. Now it's I let the words fly, and then when I go back and edit, then I clean it up. You know, not everything has to be perfect on your first run. And that's another yeah. thing a new writer might feel the urge to, oh, I have to do this perfectly. Hey, I'll, I'll look at my one of my books now and be like, fuck, I sure wish I would have wrote that a little bit differently <laughs> now. But that's always going to happen. You know, you're always going to be like, God, I wish I would have worded that better. Oh, this phrase would have worked better. Forget it. It's going to um, be always. I can't remember who it was. I literally only saw this a day or two ago. Someone said something about like, um, like you should look back at your work five years ago and be That's slightly... Christopher Triana. Was that Triana's that was newsletter? His, uh, was that it? was his, uh, yeah. his like on how liked, his writing process. Yeah, I liked that idea that you should yeah. be not embarrassed, but you should be like, you know, oh yeah, no, I'm much yeah. better now. Like, right. Yeah. Well, and I, I talked to a few younger authors who are like, how do you get started writing and publishing? And I'm like, focus on writing first, develop your voice. Not yeah. everything you write needs to be published. But everything you write is important to developing what you will publish. My, you know, I mentioned writing uh, the Lost World ripoff when I was in like elementary school. I I wrote like a fucking epic fantasy series that will never see the light of day. Um, but all of it was instrumental to me figuring out like, oh, this is how I want to write. And to this day, I'm still learning what my voice is and it's evolving and changing. And, you know, there are things I did with grammar that I don't do anymore and things that I, I thought were really important to like how I write that have now developed into something totally different. Um, so, yeah, for, for everybody who's wanting to get started, just write for yourself. Sit down and just pound words and sentences out. You don't even don't write a story. Just right yeah. eventually when you when you have that ability to communicate then you can start developing a plot and then after you have worked through a ton of plots that don't work you might find one that works yeah it's all yeah, that's, that's all part of kind of um kind of being only, really like the only competition is yourself right like it's right. yeah a lot of people fall into the trap of comparing themselves to others when you, know, you have natural. no idea people's background or how much they write how much time they got available what their life experiences are like there's a lot more that comes into it than just oh this book done well and my similar book didn't yeah you can't you can't do that you can use it as motivation but don't use it as like detriment to your to to you you know it's you can't be one of these people like oh everyone's mentioning author a why what did what's so different you know you got to get that mindset out of there you yeah. you know it's just it, it is what it is writers are you know there's so many writers out there some are going to make it some aren't that's just like life you know unfortunately at the end of the day sometimes this has to be about the love for the craft of writing because not everything you write is gonna you know stick it ain't gonna you know i think i have decent instincts to what I think is a good story, but someone else might read it and they'll be like, why did he, why did he waste the time to write this? This is not even <laughs> worth writing, you know? So it's like, it's hit or miss. It's all like, it's all like up in the air. It's, it's so hard to pinpoint what's going to work or what's not. 
who's going to blow up, who's not, what's going to make someone popular, you know, what's not. It's like, there's no science to it. The only science there is, is if you put in the hard work and you constantly get better and evolve in your writing, you know, it's going to happen eventually, but there's no like magic formula that's going to make you a, a number one hit right out the gate. I mean, there's instances. um, Piggybacking off that, what do you both think about kind of following a trend? Like if five werewolf books came, extreme werewolf books came out and they were all really successful. Like, would you think, yeah, I I should try my hand at that. Or you're like, I wasn't planning on doing that. So no chance. I think it depends on, it depends on like how specific the trend is. Like I'll openly admit there are books I've written that I was hoping would start trends. Um, <laughs> and and I think the, the one like, that I'm not following trends, I'm setting them, goddammit. <laughs> I think the one that succeeded is Splattersaurus, because doing that and then saying, oh, Brian Berry's writing the sequel, I think that I want that to open people up to saying, oh, I should write like a gory dinosaur book. <laughs> and fucking Otis is writing a gory dinosaur work book. For, work for me, it. and I... It really got my creative juices flying. Yeah, you know? and it's like, like I if, love that. I love dinosaurs. I was um, I done a podcast. I wouldn't have shown yet. It won't be on for a few weeks. But I done a podcast with Ruth the other day, and I was like, "Fuck it, you know what? If they get to number ten, I want to do like Splatosaurus in space. Like, I have do to be it, the one who does it. Do space, it. So, so <laughs> you are do that, say, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, if if I can start something that got one other author writing a new book that he's excited about then that makes me feel successful so if somebody tackles like a theme and it inspires me to like pursue my own thing i hope that would make them happy and they wouldn't be jealous because Hmm. if other authors in this scene are succeeding then so am i we're we're not in competition we're all on the same team here we all just want to tell good stories Now, obviously, I don't want this to be misread at all. That doesn't mean, oh, Judith wrote Splattersaurus. I should write Splattersaurus 4. (laughs) No, write your own dinosaur book. Write write your own interpretation of what a splattery prehistoric book should be. You know, it's like the Splatter Western series that Mm. Death's Head Press is doing. Like, each of those is a product of that author's unique mind and imagination tied with the theme of splatter and western like push yourself to be creative but it's totally awesome that we all like use each other as launch pads and be like that's such a unique trend i have a unique idea to go with it like could you you could you imagine got hey could you guys imagine being that type of person or author that like wouldn't want to be a part of something like that though like you know, the totally me oriented where I don't care about you guys. It's all about me. And it's like, I never understood that because I've never felt more motivated than like with you guys. I'll I'll fully admit it. You know, I love the motivation you guys give me. I I feel like we're connected. You know, we we try and uplift one another. It's like, who would want to be a writer that doesn't want to partake in that? You know what I mean? It's like, we're all successful if we uplift each other. And I truly believe that uh, that's the way you should be. I don't like I think the with the, um, no, like with the trend stuff, I think it's interesting. Like coming from a film background, like 
following trends in movies is dangerous because it takes too long, right? The time you write a script, put the production, yeah. edit it, put it out, it's two or three years' time. Like the trend's gone. Like you, people have moved yeah. on. But in books, yeah. like yeah, yeah, you could put a book out in three months. That that trend's still it's still going to be around as long as you have a unique take on it. Yeah. And again, like I, I really want to stress that you need your unique take on it. Like there are there are plagiarists out there and there are people who don't think beyond like the surface level of what that trend is. And readers can tell. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You can tell if something's written in a cynical nature. Right. You can tell like you can also see when a bunch of like authors who communicate are like oh this author inspired me to pursue this and i did my own thing off of it and that's that's really charming and endearing yeah, yeah. i agree i love that yeah and i hope like when a dinogor comes out people see that because it's like its own thing but obviously inspired by you guys so oh yeah and you you've told me some of the plot of it and it, it couldn't be like further yeah. from what splatter source is it's it's nothing like that <laughs> literally like if anybody was like oh this is a ripoff of splatter source i would come in and tell them they're wrong <laughs> yeah i'd be like read it first jerk <laughs> yeah absolutely and i'm like i'm not even the first person to do fucking dinosaur gore like carnosaurus came out when i was a fucking kid or not carnosaurus carnosaur um that movie rules <laughs> Lee Clark's Carnivore, like there's there's so many things from like, especially that post Jurassic Park '90s era where people were yeah. like, oh yeah, and wagons, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Everyone should yeah. watch Carnosaur tonight, wherever <laughs> it's on. Good. <laughs> Everybody Let's... should watch Carnosaur. That's a great yeah. Movie. That's the job now. So would you um would you both recommend as well? Is this again? This is something that can get very misinterpreted at times. This idea of finding a kind of people that other authors that you can bounce ideas off, finding your crew and stuff. But often this gets misconstrued with like clicks. Like, but yeah, you know, do there's... you think it's important to find those people or naturally gravitate towards people that with a similar sort of taste to you? Like, how would you kind of both feel about it, go about it? view it from the so outside even i've i've made it very clear on social media i have a circle i have you know and this isn't even all of them but you know you guys i've got duncan ralston i've got lucas mangum i've got brian ferry i've got these people who are in my corner and i support them they support me but i i try and i hope i succeed i don't always know if i do to make it so that that circle is easy for people to approach when they need advice um i i don't want to hoard the the knowledge that i've acquired just to myself and to the people that i i personally care about because these people in my circle and you guys are not just people who i'm like oh i admire their writing they're people i consider my actual friends they're great people i would go get drinks with yep. um but like you know the 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 professionalism that i try and uphold i don't want that to be a shield between me and a reader that has a question or a writer that wants to know what to do next i i want to be approachable 
-hmm. And I think that that's the difference between a click and having a, a crew is that clicks are not approachable. You can't come up to them and learn how they work and how they function and how they succeeded. Um, right. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's a hard line to walk because also like you genuinely just want to keep friends and work separate. And although me and my friends, we talk about our work and we're excited about it, like you have to be a professional in these spaces. You, this isn't a playground. This isn't, you know, a locker room or a, a schoolyard. This is a place where we come to tell stories and hopefully make money to feed our families with. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's hard to balance that. It's something that I witness a lot of people struggling with. It's something I've struggled with because like, you know, you, you want to feel included with all these groups, but sometimes you're just not friends with people who are, and you gotta, you gotta respect their boundaries and then you have to build your own and hope that others will respect them. Right. And that, and that's something I'll piggyback on. Um, when I was starting out, I would try and like, went about things the wrong way like where i would ask certain authors that were way too busy for me to be bothering them <laughs> with like my dumb shit newbie crap and you know they were like oh well here i've done this utilize that or whatever but it was like you gotta when you're new i don't know if it's like you want you want the you want the attaboy from people or something but that's when you get your crew of people, you know, you don't bother like the, 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 the authors that's made it now and he's doing their thing. You leave them alone. Right. You know, tell them you love their stuff or whatever, but going there for like, Oh, critique or questions. It's like, that's how you kind of like build up your, your, your and I don't want to be a click either. I don't want to be Gretchen Wiener from Mean Girls. You know, it's like, yeah, I want people <laughs> to be able to come talk to me. I'm, I'm an open book. You want, want to ask me something you go for it um i don't mind you know it's just in my nature i just i'm a people pleaser at heart but uh yeah that's what you need you're not a click like judah said you want a crew you want you want some people that motivate you you know you feel motivation for them they can help lift you up you can bounce off ideas you can bounce your problems you know oh the, you know, in private message, you know, you need that you need you need professional friends that are in the same field as you. Because not everyone's going to get this, you know, I can't go to really my wife and be like, Oh, well, what do you think of this? Or what about this idea? And she doesn't know it's not her world. She she loves me, but she doesn't love writing. She doesn't love the craft, you need that, you know, so I think it's vital to find your own group of people that work for you that you click with, you know, personally, professionally. And, you know, I feel like that's super vital. You know, you've seen it time and time again, like people that have that kind of support in their corner are going to do all right, you know? Yeah, I so always think the ones who have um, who have done all right probably have this kind of crew of people they trust. Mm -hmm. and, and like you were saying, with the more established higher-up sort of writers who are, you yeah. know, been in it four or five years, 
they've got their crew, right? They've right. Got it already. They don't need you. <laughs> they don't. They don't need you. Right. They, they'll help you if they can, but they've got a group of friends who they can bounce ideas right. off. And and, so, and they're busy, you know. They're they're super yeah. busy, and it's like that's something that didn't even cross my mind when I was new. I was like, I was like, well, geez. And then I thought, well, they're busy as hell. What am, what am I expecting? You know, <laughs> you, see like, the, you see what it's get out of here with a that. thousand books to sign, and you're like, <laughs> right. oh shit, yeah, yeah, my Twitter question doesn't count really, does it? Right, exactly. <laughs> so. And I think it's cool, like, I just want to say from my experiences, even some of those authors that you think are, like, huge and successful, a lot of times they'll make time for the up-and-comers. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Help. Like, uh, one of the first authors in this field that ever had, like, a personal conversation with me was Aaron Beauregard. And, like, he, we just had a very professional discussion about how to finance and how to like market and all that stuff. We talked, he left. And then I, I wept because <laughs> I was like, I didn't, I never, when I started, I never thought I'd be taken seriously by someone I admire. Hmm. And yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm in my own crew. I'm in my own space, but the, the words that he was willing to share with me that day, I, I've kept to my heart and I'm even tearing up now just thinking of the fact that he was willing to spend that time. But that's how you can tell the difference that those guys aren't a clique, yeah. right? Like you're not yeah. going to infiltrate no. their crew. Because no, the, the whole Riven and Red to crew is so open to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're great people. Yeah, they're fantastic. I, I killed them all off in, uh, in <laughs> Kill Your Pumpkins with their permission. I, <laughs> I wrote there to them and was like, you know, I'm doing this Halloween collection. All the characters are based off indie authors. Can I include you guys and your podcast in it? And I, they were so excited about it. And it was such fun to like tell them how, like, oh, this is what's going to happen in the story. Yeah. But like, you know, it's Stephen King, obviously, is huge influence on me. One of the first horror authors I fell in love with. Um, I, I can't get mad if I DM Stephen King and he's never going to reach out to me. Never. <laughs> he's not. You know, that man is not just beyond successful. He's... Yeah. But do you think with um, sort of like establishing this crew of people around you to kind of bounce ideas off, work together, talk things through, is there a process you think where you can go out and hunt for that? Or do you think it's very organic? Because I, you know, I don't remember kind of, actively kind of seeking people out it's just kind of happened over yeah. the last half a year i think it's it's something that people who are approaching the scene should keep in mind and that they should be kind of cautious about because you know you don't want to align yourself with someone and then find out you're not compatible later on mm. um it's it's important to have natural friendships and it's important to have people who care about the things that you care about and like, you know, when you're in, when you're in high school and you're learning what you want from life, that happens naturally. And then you find out later you want something different and you grow apart from the people you knew in high school. But then there's that one friend, that one motherfucker that stays <laughs> with you. And Hang for me, top. like, I still talk to one of my best friends from high school and he writes fantasy books, which is the opposite of what I write. Mm -hmm. and we still exchange ideas and 
talk about our crafts and we share our books with each other. And like, he's one of the closest people in my life. And when he publishes his first book, even though it's nothing like the books I talk about, I'm pushing that shit so hard on people. Promote the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he kind of published a few things before, but like, you know, now he's really taking it seriously and he's diving into this huge fantasy work he's doing. And like, even though that's not a genre that I tend to care for because I know who he is and we are organic friends, I'm going to be like reading it and promoting it harder than anyone yeah. else. <laughs> right. And and I agree with that. I think, uh, I think the way you find your, your crew is going to be organic because whenever I've tried to force something, it's <laughs> never worked. Um, yeah. The people that I'm close with now are all people that it kind of just happened, you know, and the minute I tried to do something opposite of that, it's, it's never been right because I think you kind of, in your heart kind of know when it's organic they just you fit better with these people like somehow you, you just know it and it's like you're like-minded you care about a lot of the similar things and i think that's how big how it is organic you just know it you know what i mean it's hard to explain um but the people i've made a lasting kind of friendship with here it's like we have a lot in common and it's like we didn't even talk about a lot of that stuff and it just kind of comes up in the conversation. So yeah. I think it's just something you can't force. It just happens. So don't don't try is what I'm saying. It just, if yeah. it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You'll form these contacts and friendships as you go along, you know, and people kind of see what you're like online or what kind of person you are, you know, those kind of people that you want to gravitate you towards you will probably do so. If, if that's the kind of pers persona you're, you're pushing online, you know, like, I don't want to yeah. be friends with someone that's like a, a, a dickhead, you know, <laughs> like I like edgy writing. I love to be an edge Lord and like my stuff, but I don't want to be friends with a true edge Lord in out there. Like the way they act. I'm, I'm not about that. I don't think you, you, you need to be, you know, and some people like to be the, the heel, you know, to do a wrestling thing for you Stephen but like I don't like that you know I don't like when people are overly aggressive with like their their online persona that's just never worked for me even though yeah. I like feel like I'm one of the grossest <laughs> writers you know out there but I, I I don't know I like to let my words do that kind of edgy shit you know I like to be approachable and kind and I want to be happy you know first and foremost so how, um, I, hope I, I hope online i'm show i show that you know how important do you think that is now that online persona as a as an author oh, i think it's think vital you, to your career you, think you absolutely have to have it yeah i you know i'm jealous of authors like bentley little who are so established that they don't <laughs> need an online presence <laughs> yeah and they I've don't even need to be online i've made some of the best friends i've ever had in my life through these online spaces. I've also had the worst things and slurs sent to me in online spaces. So it's a double-edged sword. It but is. like, you know, I there are authors who are basically spam bots that will just suggest their book and talk about nothing else. And if they have a new book, they'll suggest that and talk about nothing else. But like audiences love um, people who are genuine. And that's because 
genuine people are hard to find on online spaces anymore. You know, it's it's influencers, it's outrage culture, it's people who are only there to say negative things or to yeah. sell something. So trolls. yeah, <laughs> trolls. And I, I, I tried my best to curate a space where it was obvious there wasn't just passion for writing, but passion for reading. And I want people to come to my space to talk about books, whether it's old books or new books, I want to hear about it. Whether it's my books or their books or books they read by a friend or books they read by somebody who died a hundred years ago. And I, you know, it's not just a happy space for like readers and people who I want to spend money on me. It's a happy space for me too, because yeah. I love reading all these vintage do you think that's do you think yeah. that's the kind of the way around it is obviously some people are going to be able to sell books still without being online like there's a few people out there that it just freakishly happens to but the majority of writers you are going to have to have some kind of online presence no yeah. matter how much you hate social media so do you think the right approach is to try and create the space yourself in a sense I believe so. Yeah. And I, I left Twitter because I felt like the way that platform was set up, I just couldn't curate a space for myself. And that all I saw when I went on there was negativity and toxicity and dogpiling yeah. and arguing. And, yeah. That's uh, kind of what know, that, that's kind of what that app is made for. I feel, I feel like it's yeah. very counterproductive towards like what we as authors <clears throat> want to do. I think it's, made for negativity so i i don't utilize it much anymore and yeah i i deactivated well i i think the app my my page is still up but like the app just isn't on my phone anymore and i haven't looked at it since like june 2nd or thereabout yeah. and uh i i see people posting about oh i heard this on twitter i saw this happen on twitter this author's getting pounced on on twitter and i'm like just don't want to be on it. It's it's such a negative space. But like on Facebook, you know, I've connected with so many people who are passionate about books, and that's what I'm there for. I want to yeah. I want to sell my books, and I want to sell books written by other people. Yeah, exactly. Same. Yeah. So yeah, yeah curating curating a space that isn't just like you know spam my book and nothing else. Yeah. It's one where you get to like share your honest joys and mm -hmm. passions for you know this wonderful thing we do writing is incredible yeah. reading it's, is a fucking gift is yeah. it's amazing that we are able to communicate things that make people see stuff in their head right and it's, it's the kind of magic it yeah really is. even though like the stuff we write is hardcore and edgy and depressing i don't want it to feel like there's no luster to it right and so like my my persona what i put online i'm very purposeful about it what i have is my love for this craft my love for reading um and i i just hope that that attracts people who want to share that love and don't want to argue over it yeah yeah because um, life's too short I don't, I don't, I don't need any more negative stuff in my life, yeah. you know? Well, that said, I'm going to pose this last question, I think, uh, before this goes on for, for hours and hours. <laughs> um, so new writers, especially in extreme horror and splatterpunk, who are 
just arrived on the scene and they're not entirely sure what it's all about yet. There's going to be some nervousness about approaching just who like taboo subjects and worried about, you know, cancel culture or anything like that. Like, mm -hmm. where do you kind of, what advice would you give them as far as like artistic freedom and stuff? Would you just say to them, just fucking go for it as long as you're writing something with a bit of heart or would you warn them to be kind of cautious of certain areas until they're a bit more established? I would say from, from what I've written, and I've written some very offensive things. <laughs> um, everything you write, be ready to defend it. Yep. You know, I've, I'm a trans woman um, during an era that is, you know, there's rising transphobia in America. And I want to communicate, you know, the things that people have said to me and how it's affected me. And so that means I have to write those down in a way that communicates that to people. It, and it's, it's hurtful, painful stuff to have to write, but like, damn it, I will defend my ability to write that. And, you know, every, every word I put in my book is something that I'm, I'm ready to say, this is the purpose for why I did it. Yeah. Even if the purpose is to show that there is purposelessness to mm -hmm. violence and to, you know, the, the horrible things that people do to each other, or even if the purpose is just to entertain with an over the top gross dinosaur story. Mm -hmm. So I, I just say like, you know, if, if you're writing extreme stuff, be as ready to discuss it as you're willing to put it on paper. Exactly. Even if you never respond to a negative review, and I'm not saying respond to every negative review with like an essay defending why you wrote it, but like, you know, if you're at a convention and someone confronts you and says, you wrote this thing that upset me, you need to be ready to say, this is why I wrote it and why it's important. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I agree. And that's a, I think Judith forgot to mention something very important she did that I kind of, kind of started doing on my own and that was including an afterward uh just because i yeah. think it's an i think it's really interesting to hear what an author thinks of their work or what was going through their mind um and i've uh recently done that nearly on every book uh because i feel like i have to in a way on uh just the way i started out i started right out the gate with some pretty uh maggot girl pretty hardcore uh, debut. I, you know, I feel yeah. like at first I was like, well, this isn't really that hardcore until I had like, uh, thought about maybe having like an audible made and I had like someone read it back to me. And I was really like taken aback, like, man, I don't know if this is like something that should even <laughs> be like an audio book. It's like, <laughs> it's so crazy. But, uh, I say as long as if you're passionate about like extreme horror, like we all are, and you want to write it definitely definitely don't let i wouldn't let cancel culture like disrupt that creativity but judith is 100 percent right you got to be able to back that up i feel like um infanticide's gonna i'm gonna have to back up a lot of what i wrote even though i was really impassioned about my afterward and i put big bold trigger right in the very beginning and say exactly what this is about and it's not i'm not pulling any punches on it you know but i felt like i felt strongly about this story i felt strongly about like the message of like 
that sometimes there's just no message. Like she said, like, it's just wanton violence and like that's out in the world. And like, it shouldn't be like the reason maybe I went harder with infanticide was like, there's so many podcasts that treat real true crime as a joke, you know? True crime is not funny. Real death isn't like something that's taken lightly, you know? There's podcasts I like and I get, but when they do a joking <clears throat> thing about something like that, it just, I think it, I don't know, dehumanizes it for me. And I wanted something that made me feel like when I read The Girl Next Door by Jack Ketchum, you know? And that's what I tried to channel in that story. Um, but I'm going to have to hear about it. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of negativity about it. I'm sure there's going to be people that will come to bat for me. But the thing is, you have to write something you believe in, you feel strongly about, but be prepared because, you know, we 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 deal with like really hardcore stuff and like, you know, it's not going to be for everybody. And even with a thousand triggers on a book, sometime warnings, it's not enough. You know, people are like, well, I didn't know it was going to be that way. You know, and it's like, well, we warned you, but, you know, you can't, you can't rely on that all the time because people are curious and people are like, well, I, I can handle anything. And then they read something you did and it's like, they couldn't, you know, and you're going to, you're going to hear about it, you know, but See, that we, we chose a genre that's, <laughs> that's pretty, you know, crazy. So, you know, we got yeah. to expect it. And, and See, it's I, like, you know, if you release an extreme horror book, and you're surprised that someone's offended by it. Right. That's on you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's your fault. <laughs> See, that's where I, like, I back myself on the genre. Like, I don't write afterwards. I don't, if someone accuses me of something, I don't address it. I just, you know, I just kind of, yeah. and I'm not because I'm like, important. you know, because we're in extreme yeah. horror. Like, when I wrote, something like elephant cock like i knew i was going to get some backlash for that it's a horrific story yeah. but the things that make me smile about it is when i see a review a reviewer who got it like that's when i'm like you know i knew that i wrote something there that was a bit more intelligent yeah. than just you know dick jokes or whatever there's right. a story yeah. underneath it and yeah. i just kind of rely on the fact that no matter how fucking mean nasty i am you know my story in the your place in hell was fucking horrific but there is yeah. a story under there. You've just got to pay a little bit more attention. And, yeah. you know, I just live for those moments where people get the story and they review it and they talk about, oh, you know, actually this was a weird little fucked up love story. And I'm like, yeah, it was. That's brilliant. Rather than defend the other stuff where I'm like, you just didn't get it. Okay, that's cool. Like, I've moved on. Like, hopefully you will too. Sort of thing. Yeah. I just want to add so that it's not misunderstood. Um me saying like be ready to defend and stand up for your work that also means don't apologize um yeah, right. you're writing extreme horror you're writing splatterpunk is an unapologetic genre i work through very real trauma with a lot of my books and it's important to me that i go through that um and if a reader wants me to defend it then sometimes the defense is just it's important to me um you know it's like imagine if i went on every negative review for no one writes for free and was like actually this is about my feelings of having been abused like no it's they don't know me they they are judging the work off of their experiences with it right. um so 
you know, standing up for your work sometimes just means being quiet and letting people right. think what they think and knowing right. what that means to you. It's exactly. very, um, it's very rare though, that it's like some kind of mass hysteria as well. Right. Like yeah, the one or two people, or 10 or 20 people yeah. don't outweigh the 500 people that thought it was hilarious who really enjoyed right. all the nasty shits and loved the fact that you killed a baby. Like, you know, yeah. so if you're not having to justify it to like a mass audience, then mm-hmm. chances are, you know, you didn't do anything wrong in the slightest. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying I like to do afterwards. New writers don't feel that you need to explain yourself, just like Judith said. I like it because I think it's interesting. Not yeah, everyone I, cares about afterwards, you know? Maybe like you, Stephen, you don't do them, and that's fine. I like to do them, and that's fine. I like to, you know, explain the genesis of something. You know, that's just me. But new writers don't feel like you have to do that don't you know if you like it add it if you don't don't nothing is wrong with that you know whatever you choose to do your voice is going to dictate what you want in your story as you grow your voice you're going to learn what works for you in the story what you like to see what you like to put out and afterwards or something i really ended up liking to do so but not having them is fine having them is fine it's you know what it's it's all you and your journey at the end of the day what you want to what you want people to get out of your work you know yeah yeah there's there's a lot of things with this field that are you know it sounds like double talk but when you get involved you realize it's not where it's like oh you know be ready to defend something you wrote but also be ready to not say anything at all about it be ready to make friends, but also be ready to work on your own. Be ready to do this, but also do that. Like e- everything in any art field is about balance. And that, that goes beyond writing. That goes into making music. That goes into painting. That goes into creating freaking book covers. Like right. um, there, there are things that work for Stephen, Otis, and Judith that may not work for you. There are things that don't work for us that we'll say don't do, but then it might work for you. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, every every writer is, every voice is different, and when you find yours and you embrace it, you're you're instantly just going to have a lot of lessons that you need to learn on your own. And I think the best advice any author in any field can give. Uh, a new person approaching this is to learn from yourself, to learn from your mistakes, to learn what works and is successful, to learn what type of writing affects you more than even how it affects your readers. And once once you start learning those lessons, the lessons don't stop, they keep going. I, I'm learning lessons this week, I'm learning lessons over this, conversation (laughs) and i love it it's it's incredible and the journey is incredible and if you give up because it gets hard then that incredible journey just stops and you do not want to deny yourself that no i i would have hated myself if i wouldn't have persevered because there was times when i was like this is too hard i wasn't sure of myself you know and i was like no this is important to me you know and so i struggled and i I worked 
And, you know, I feel like it's beginning to pay off and it's like the best feeling ever, you know? And I wouldn't want to deny anyone that pleasure and self-worth. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing feeling, you know, creating and having people embrace it and having people have discourse positive about it as well. I mean, you know, I don't mind, you know, we've said we don't mind negative criti uh, criticism, you know, people are talking about it. I did something right, you know, at the end of the day, may not have been their cup of tea, but I mean, I got them thinking and I think that's, I think that's valid. And that's, that's what art's about, you know? Yeah. I think I would just say, um, I think that there's just a level of patience to it all as well. Right. Like it's, yeah, it's very easy to see books explode authors oh, explode yeah. you know something's had one review on goodreads and now has a hundred some book right. had a hundred reviews and now it's got a thousand and you're like you know you're looking at your stats thinking like shit like but it just it takes time like the only thing you can do is carry on writing build up that back catalog and yeah just get better at it each book you go yeah and when it's and when it's your time it's going to be your time you know yeah. i truly believe that you know it's don't it could be tomorrow it could be in 10 years you know who knows but you know just keep at it remember why you love to do it and do it you know if if you're so inclined you know i mean just keep at it keep plugging at it it's uh it's it's the you know the cliches the it's a walk not a sprint rome wasn't built in a day blah 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 all that stuff is holds true you know it's a cliche for a reason that's yeah. right that's why it's there <laughs> Awesome. Um, so I, I just got an idea um, and I want to bounce this off of you guys for a way for us to end this podcast. Yeah, go for it. You know, go for it. We, we've spent this whole time talking about new writers and what we'd say to them. Let's address a few like just by recommending them um, because we all, we exist in this, you know, this universe for extreme horror and we are so many people embrace it and releasing their first books. And I'd love to know which like newer author who's just coming into the scene as of like recently has stood out for you guys. And I'll, I'll start with an example. Um, McKay Watson, who has been a, a friend of indie horror. He's reviewed a ton of them, has recently published his first book. And is that them? Is it them? Yeah, yeah. Yep, them. Yeah. And I, I actually did some some editing on that one, and I I didn't, you know, he has the the YouTube fan base to kind of back him up, but like it's been incredible watching that little book that he just released soar, and for him to handle it professionally right out the gate, and to know how to interact with people and to. You know, he's he's not at the point where he can offer any advice or anything like that, but he's made himself open for people to just talk to him. And I think that's that was really unique to see, especially with like a first book. Um, mm -hmm. And them is great. Them is a sort of apocalyptic, the crazies type book. Um, nice. <laughs> It, I, it's if you like Stephen Cooper's The Rock or James <laughs> Herbert's The Fog. It kind of like feels like that of just like traveling across a decimated area while people go nuts and do horrible things to each other. 
Well, it was already on my TBR, but I'm guessing I'll have to shove it up now. Oh, yeah. I think you'd love it. Yeah, you, you'd love you'd it, have a great time with it. <laughs> it's it's a great it's a it's a great debut, that's for sure. Yeah. Do you guys have any authors that you've um a book that I really liked recently was um, Run Red by R.J. Daly. Uh, I've seen weird. that cover. Yeah, yeah I need to. Great I grabbed cover, it because but... of yeah, I grabbed but, yeah. it because of you telling me that. Yeah, I was I was really impressed. I had no idea it was his first book. I literally read it, thought it was great, reviewed it on the channel, and it was only after I reviewed it on the channel I realized it was his first book. I was like, I had no idea that was his first book. So, I think that's a really good sign straight away like just my kind of genre my like you know this kind of torture porn sort of stuff and yeah <laughs> but you know for such a short book like i gave a fuck about the characters and they want you know some like lovely people or something they were just kind of people that you were like yeah i kind of like these and oh my god what the fuck is happening to him just <laughs> yeah you built a world really quickly like built characters you cared about and the prose was great. Like I said, I had zero idea it was his first book. So he's definitely someone I'll keep an eye on. Well, I'm adding that to my list now too. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely have it. And I'm going to fly it up to TBR and try and read it sooner, sooner than later. <laughs> uh, I have um, recently, I've kind of became uh, friendly with uh, Erica Summers and she uh, has a, like a Western mashup with kind of like the descent is how I would explain it called bad God's tower. And I liked it so much. I, I, I like uh, did a blurb for it. I think it's a really strong Western type horror um, has some decent violence. It's not overtly like extreme. You're not going to get shocked by the violence, but it, it's a bloody violent, you know, story. Well done. Um, good good bringing of two different genres together, you know? Um, I think that's good. Uh, I also kind of like um, Eve L. Fell's Dolls uh, and uh, her, her little short I read, uh, Game Over. I think that she's got some good potential and I think that's uh, some good newer, newer people that may not be on a lot of people's radar that, uh, you know, I've read recently. Um, Judith picked someone that I would have, you know, you know, I would have picked him too, but you know, she she did, and, and uh, obviously you picked a good one, but I haven't like had a chance to read that yet. But you put him on my radar too. Yeah, I read. Um, I've read both um, Bad God's Tower and Dolls, and yeah, I really enjoyed both of them. Done a video mm -hmm. on both of them. I recorded one this morning actually for Bad God's Tower. I oh, thought that's it was great. Cool. Yeah, I that's thought crazy. it was really good. I thought, like, yeah. I just, I loved the banter between, like, Chester and Eugene. I just thought it was yeah. so well written. And I liked the fact that she created bad, nasty characters who were genuine friends with each other. I always liked mm -hmm. stuff like that. Oh, that sounds yeah. fun. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think you'd really like it too, Judith. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add all of those books that both of you suggested to my list. I've been reading so many like old paperbacks lately. Um, but those, those sound like the sort of indie books that I would just devour in a night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're both really short. Dolls and, and yeah. They won't take style. long. Yeah. You could read yeah, them. In, Bad God's like, I might even just, I might even just read them on Kindle so I can read them tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're both yeah. like 
what an hour hour and a half long yeah probably oh nice yeah yeah you'll get through them quick but they're they're promising debut uh not i wouldn't say debuts but um but definitely something some people i think to look out for for sure nice yeah, I think Eve's is a debut, and I think Erica hasn't written too much. So yeah, she's had very stuff early out, on. but yeah, not tons because she had. But these these are new people who are finding their corners in the scene, and yeah. it's going to be really cool uh, to see also, them doing like podcasts talking about what they've learned in a few years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of them as well. All the ones we mentioned are all people that support other people online. You know, yeah. they've all written tons of reviews and shared loads yeah. of other people's books. Like even as they're just starting out. Yeah, like they, they, they've already kind of got that mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I appreciate that because it's kinda like they're already doing some of the right things already, just yeah. Just intuitively, you know. So yeah. Right. I and that. I mean it's so much it's so much better to take a risk on a new writer that you don't know if you know that they're passionate about books you know yeah i literally i read um daniel byers the film student's cabin the other day just because he's so supportive of everyone else i I, yeah it turned out to be a good book as well i think that's why i read you first because (laughs) i i watched your uh splatsploitation videos before i read your books and like yeah your your passions what drew me into all that there you go definitely works yeah yeah, you're you're, def- you're definitely doing good stuff, Stephen. That's for sure. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good place to finish on. So. Yeah, yeah. Let's end with complimenting Stephen. Yay, Stephen! You roll. Stephen's <laughs> best. Um, but yeah, I think this has been a lot of fun. Um, I think um, I think we covered a lot. But I think if we wanna, if there's stuff that we've missed or anything that we want to come back to at some point, I'm definitely up for doing another one of these and maybe inviting someone else along as well for. Kind of a fresh look at it as well yeah i'd um, absolutely be down for that if people have more questions they want us to directly address i'm always happy to share same awesome. yeah excellent well thank you both for coming along and doing this then and yeah we'll pull it out there and hopefully some people can kind of get plenty out of this and yeah i said we'll come back if need be so yeah. thank you very yeah. much and yeah, yeah thanks, see thanks you. for having us really see you both later all right Right. Bye.